velvet. <laughs> it's the consequence of having a lot of Afrikaans friends. <laughs> they make you pronounce every name in Afrikaans. And then you prachtag. <laughs> oh my word. It's more, eh? Ah, lekker. It's interesting. I don't know how many languages I'm speaking now. Because sometimes I, I can switch from Afrikaans to Shona, from Shona to Osa. And then it's very interesting. From Osa to French, from French to English. And then the English that stands in the middle between my French and my English. That's very cool. Alright, so today I'm going to share with you about encountering Christ through the reading of scriptures. And especially, we're going to, to look at the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> ah, you know, yesterday I was, um, I was speaking at a wedding. First time ever preaching at a wedding. That was so cool. I really loved it. Well, I told myself, we all read the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul wasn't married, and he wrote so many things about marriage, so I have a very valid reason to speak at a wedding. <laughs> so now, as I was speaking, it was so amazing. It was very rewarding for me to see a guy that I've walked on a journey with um, through the Word, and just to see the result and the fruit. You know, sometimes when it comes to leadership, Sometimes we think we always have to be behind people. But I believe the, the first thing we need to establish when we connect with people is the word. In fact, I remember one day a leader, a pastor told me, Matthew, actually leadership is the word. If you don't have the word, you're not a leader. I, I didn't get it back then. But then now, from just the little experience of dealing with students, I actually realized real leadership actually is the word in fact in fact paul says to timothy the things you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses i would love you to entrust them to others that are also going to be able to teach unto others if you if you think of the legacy of the israelite it was words that god spoke to abraham and those, those same very promises and words was then transferred to isaac and Isaac was able to take these words and speak that those same promises to his descendants. And it carried on and carried on. The entire covenant between God and Israelite had to do with the word. And now this guy, I met him last year. He was a rugby, he's a rugby player. was playing for UCT. I, we had a small group uh, with some rugby players. And... When the small group, when we met, it was the first time. Awkward, different cultures. But, you know when you're leading a small group for the first time, you meet two people for the first time? I believe the first thing that you need to ask is, Lord, what are you doing tonight? I felt the word. I said, okay, cool. This is going to be a punching word. It's going to be your word, Lord. So I shared the word. And I ended up leading the guy to the Lord in the small group. The guy that I baptized two weeks ago, Matt Rainburn, led him to the Lord. He was so moved that I didn't realize he even went to speak to his grandmother about it. <laughs> so the Lord did so much work, and I was trying to get him to, he was attending a small group. And at some point, he came to the church, and, but he was struggling still to plug in. But I never followed him up. You must come, you must come to small group, you must do this, you must do this. But when he wanted to make the most critical decision of Christ, getting baptized. I didn't follow him up. He called me. He followed me up. He called me while he was in the UK. He said, Matthew, I need to get baptized. And me and my fiance. That's the reason why two weeks ago you saw them getting baptized. And then he said, Matthew, listen, at my wedding, it either they're going to be just a party, or if there is a sermon, you only must preach. He said, he attends, he's been attending, he was attending another congregation. But he said, Matthew, the way you preach the word to me, there is just something about it. And that is what I would love. And I actually realized, actually, the word is more powerful than our strategies. What is the longest book in the Bible, by the way? And what is the longest chapter? 
And what does it talk about? The word. It's the celebration of the word. The celebration of the word. And the, entire, the longest book is the book about worship. And the book about worship, the primary thing that it celebrates, celebrates the word. And God, in John chapter 1, is introduced as the word. It says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. You know, the, the things that really makes us the people of God, I believe one of the very things that makes us as the people of God are the very words of Christ that we cherish in our hearts. You know, it's like when people are married, it's not just a matter of having a ring on their hands. It's the commitment they have made in their hearts that they are committed to this person. That's the very word of commitment which they internalize, which they have also articulated. It's all about the word. The words are so powerful. In fact, the Bible says that life and death is a matter of the tongue. It has to do with the word. And the entire world was created through the word. God spoke. The Bible says, all everything was made through the word. None of the things that exist was existed without this word. But now, through the, God, the Bible, there is so much that God is saying. One day, Jesus was, 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 was in front of these Pharisees. They were very much committed to reading the scriptures. They, were, they, they, they memorized the Torah. They memorized a lot of things. And Jesus confronted them, said to them, you are searching these, scripts, these scriptures, but what you do not realize is that these scriptures testify of me. So, the journey of this, this evening is, I'm trusting that as we're going to just go look at a little bit of chapters from the Gospel of Matthew, that you are going to, you're going to live here really with an encounter with Christ. Even as I'll be sharing. I really love the story of the two disciples in Emmaus when Jesus resurrected. The Bible says they were speaking about the resurrection. While they were speaking, the Bible says Christ appeared to them. And I believe when we share the, the word of Christ, when we share the word of Christ, Christ takes place in our hearts. In fact, the Bible says faith comes from hearing and from hearing the word of Christ. You know, it's very, it is very fascinating that uh, Samuel, when he was called in 1 Samuel, he was sitting next to the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, within the Ark of the Covenant was the table of the law, where the law was written. But the Bible says in that particular season, the word of the Lord was read. The law was written there. But the Bible says the word of the Lord was read. In other words, the prophetic was absent. The voice of God. As you are sitting on your chair where you are, there is a word that God has for you tonight. There is a word that God has for you. For this week, there is a word that God has for you for this year. And what's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to align yourself with that word. And it's called obedience. Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. That is why many times Jesus wouldn't rush himself to even perform a miracle. Because he was in step with the spirit. He was in step with the word of the Lord, the rhema word. So now... This is the structure of, um, I'm going to look at the, a few things when it comes to the Gospel of Matthew. We cannot cover in 45 minutes about the book because it talks about a lot of things. But the first thing that I'm going to mention has to do with the author himself. The author of the book, a lot of scholars agree that the Gospel, according to Matthew, was written by Matthew. Even a lot of church fathers agree that uh, Matthew was the author of this book. And they, he was a tax collector, if you read through the Gospel. And in fact, the tax collectors were people that really were, they were not loved by the people in Israel, especially in the days of Jesus, because the Israelites were under the, Rome, the, the, the invasion of the Roman Empire. So they were under almost like a colony, and they were suffering. In fact, sometimes, uh, some scholars say that from the salaries of every Jew in those days, 70% or 80% of the salaries would go to the tax of the Romans. And in fact, 
as a tax collector, he didn't have a salary. So he was almost having, earning his money from cheating, from manipulating. And he was serving the same very people that was oppressing his own people. Because he was working for them. So he came from such a very rough background. And, and it, at one instance, Christ came to him and said, follow me. In, in other Gospels, you'll see that he's, even, he's called Levi. Some people agree that he's, he was probably from the tribe of Levi. But that was his main function. But when he got saved, some church historians say that he, he shared the gospel. He even went to Ethiopia. He shared the gospel. But he, he had a very also, he died as well as a, as a martyr. And the way he died, he was put into a coffin. And they, they did put him on a sea. So he died on a sea. While, so while he was alive, they, they, they threw him on a sea. So he died in a very tragic way. And the very uh, leader who ordained his death, According to historians, later converted and he became later a bishop and he got saved. So Matthew led so many people to salvation according to some uh, church history. But he was a very bold man that chose to follow Christ. Most of the disciples, they had tragic death and they were ready for it. They were ready for it because they, there is something they, they tapped into that I believe, I trust that God will help us to tap into. Right? So now, when I'm going to look at the audience, the audience, G, uh, uh, Matthew is writing his gospel to primarily the Jews. And there is one of the scholars who says it's actually a Jew writing to Jews about a Jew. So, <laughs> not Jews. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to find, don't worry. I'm free from pun now. From puns. Okay. Cool. So, he writes his gospel to the Jewish people, to his own people. All right? And when it's come, um, the, the third thing that I can mention is the structure. What is very interesting is that you'll see that when you, when you take the speeches or the discourse of Jesus Christ in, in the gospel of Matthew, there are, I think, five of them. And most of them, if you look at the structure... They look very, he structured them very, it's almost like he imitated the structure of the five books written by Moses, which is Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, uh, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. It's almost like he almost imitated the, the, the framework of Moses. And that was very, very intentional. That was very, very, that's very, very important. Because there, is, there was a very specific thing that Matthew was targeting while he was writing to the Jewish people. And when it comes to his message, Matthew is basically introducing Christ as the king. If you read in Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he had a vision where he saw four living creatures. He saw the lion, he saw, he saw an ox, he saw a man, and he saw an eagle. And those five faces almost represent the different pictures that reveal the nature of Christ. And you can see that through the four Gospels. And Matthew primarily introduced Jesus as a king. As a king to the Jewish people. But also introduces Jesus as a Messiah. The Messiah who was the one, the one that was going to come to deliver the Israelites and also to sit on the throne of David. So, I would like us to primarily look at the space in which the, Israel, the Jewish people were in terms of the promises of God. And to see what was the challenge that hindered them from seeing Christ as a Messiah, even though they had the promises. Alright? So we're going to start the first day. Let's read from Isaiah 52, from verse 13 up to 15. Are you ready? Isaiah 52, from verse 13 
it says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and he shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you. His appearance was so married beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. Uh, next verse. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouth because of him, for that which has not been told. So some people, for, for that which has, be, has not been told them, they see, and that which and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the harm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief as one from whom men hide their faces he was despised and we esteemed him not surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgression he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the justice man that brought us peace and with his wounds we are healed Right? So, now remember, the, the Jewish people, when Jesus appeared, they did not have the Gospel of Matthew. They did not have the Gospel of Mark, neither the Gospel of Luke, neither the Gospel of John. They had these prophetic books. Now, this particular scripture speaks about the, this servant, that, this suffering servant, all right, that was going to come. And die, and by his, by his stripes they will be healed. Right? So we're going to look at another prophecy that die, which is the vision. It is actually in the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Instead of reading, I'm going to explain it so that we can, we can save some time. There was a king in, 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 in Babylon, and that king had a dream, and it happened that he forgot the dream. Now, what he did, he called all the, all the wise men in Babylon, and he said to them, Well, I want you guys to remind me of the dream that I had and to give me the interpretation. That was crazy. And he said to them, if you fail, you're going to be killed. So all of them were panicking. So now Daniel and his friends were also amongst the wise men. In fact, the Bible says they were ten times wiser than the magicians and all the wise men in Babylon. Now, as they approached Daniel, Daniel said to the to his servant, okay, well, let me rather pray, and then tomorrow I'll give you an answer. So when he went to pray at night, he had the Lord revealed to him. The Bible says the Lord revealed to him, appeared to him, and he, he actually revealed to him what actually the king saw. So basically, the, Daniel said, well, king, what you saw, you saw a statue. He described the statue, the contents, and everything, and he saw a stone. A stone coming from nowhere without anybody's help. And that stone came and destroyed the entire statue. And struck down the entire statue and the statue fell. And, it, it, and that stone grew and it became like a mountain that filled the entire earth. Now, here's the interpretation that he gave to the king. He said, well, what you saw, you actually saw kingdoms. He said you saw the first kingdom. He spoke speaking about the kingdom when he was ruling another kingdom. And then the last one was the ki another kingdom that was about to come. And that kingdom was a kingdom that was never going to be destroyed. It was a kingdom that will remain forever. So for the Jewish people waiting for the Messiah, being oppressed by the Romans, they were expecting a king, a descendant of David, that would come and remove the entire oppression on a political level. So they were expecting a Messiah that would primarily come in power 
and deliver them. Just like the picture of that stone. So in the reference, they didn't expect a suffering king. And that was a challenge. We, when we read it today, we make the connections because we have the gospel. But they did not have the gospel. So it costed revelation for them to be able to make the connection. While, in fact, Jesus was born in Nazareth, which is another shock for them. Looking at the context of Nazareth, they wouldn't get one, of the, one of the disciples, in fact, before he, was, he joined Jesus, he said, what can come from Nazareth? What is the good thing that can come out of Nazareth? So he came from a very low background. By the way, there were prophecies. One thing that you're going to notice in the Gospel of Matthew, there is this phrase repeated, that this was done so that that which was said, that prophecy may be fulfilled. One of the things that Matthew emphasizes is that Jesus, his entire life, was a fulfillment of God's prophecies and God's word. So we'll go first to the first chapter of Matthew. Verse 1, Matthew Chapter 1, verse 1. Yesterday at the wedding, um, <laughs> I was introducing myself. I said, well, my, nef- my name is Mef- I was speaking already. And I said, my name is Matthew, by the way. And then I said to them, hey, my surname is not by the way. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's focus, let's focus, let's focus. <laughs> so, the first thing that Matthew says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Very interesting thing. He says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You will find the same trend when you go in Genesis, in fact, the word genealogy, that does anyone have a different translation? This is an ESV one. Does everyone, anyone have another translation? NIV, you can read? What does it say? No, just the first verse. No, first verse. <laughs> Okay, great. Another translation? Yes, New King James? Go for it. Yeah. Great, thanks. Another translation? Great, another one? Yes, something different? Yes, but the actual root idea of the word genealogy there, it's the idea of the beginning. The beginning. It's almost like there was a new chapter that God was opening for the people of Israel that they had to see. Like the life of Jesus Christ was a new chapter for the entire nation. That God was about to do something new. But that's very new thing that he wanted to do was still in alignment with the words and the prophecies he spoke in the line from Abraham up to David. That, in other words, he was saying, Jesus, this one that is born, is actually part of the line that has the right to rule as a king. Because the promise of ruling was only given to the descendants of David. God said to, to, to Judah, I and mean Jacob said to Judah that the scepter shall not be taken from your hand. And you'll see the same promises was given to David, to Solomon, that same line. So now Matthew is emphasizing on the fact that Jesus is from this land. Now remember, the Jewish man is expecting a king that is going to deliver him from his oppression on a natural level. And I also believe even spiritually. Very, very, very important. And I, I tell you, we can just pause on this verse. There is so much to say about it. Everything in the Bible, even a comma, is very important. Very, very important. Very, very important. So now, 
What is interesting as well, when you read the genealogy of Jesus, you will find some of the women's mentioned in this genealogy of Jesus that were not Jewish at all. Some of them were, were called, that we would call Gentiles, those who were not Jewish people. But they were still in the genealogy of Jesus. But what is Matthew trying to say to the Jewish people? One of the themes that we can draw from there is that God already, the plan through the life of Jesus didn't just have to do with the Jewish people. It also had to do with the nations. In fact, you'll see that the last speech of Jesus had to do with going to all the nations and make disciples. What was the mandate that God gave to Abraham? He said to him that you will be a blessing and many nations shall be, shall, shall be blessed through you. So in other words, Jesus was embodying the same very promises, the same very thing that God wanted to do with Adam. With, in fact, when God gave the mandate to Adam, when he, he told him, cultivate, come and do and do all of these things, you will see that, and he also said to him, subdue. The subduing didn't just have to do with, uh, just uh, the, on a work level, but I believe it had to do with expanding the same very thing, the presence of God, which was in the Garden of Eden throughout the entire earth, which I believe Adam failed to do. In fact, you will see when you read in other scriptures, Canaan, which is the land which we call Israel today, sometimes in the scriptures it refers it being referred as the Garden of Eden. And it's very interesting if you have to do a deeper study. You actually see that Jesus is almost introduced in the Gospel of Matthew like this new Adam. And you'll see in the Psalms, uh, many times you'll find a, a, a trend, that two words mentioned mostly in, this, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, son of David and son of man. Very, very powerful. You will see that Jesus came as a Messiah who had to bring the kingdom of God. But at the same time, he also had to come and rule as a king. But the problem is, what is the kingdom that he, that he was about to bring? One of the uniqueness about the Gospel of Matthew, he mentions a lot about the kingdom of heaven. Do you know that the Gospel of Matthew, it's the only gospel where Jesus spoke to Peter about the keys of the kingdom. The only gospel. So, let's go to chapter 2. In chapter 2, it speaks about the birth of Christ. And verse, um, if, you, if I may go, or let me go to chapter 1 verse, from, verse, um, from verse 23, when Jesus was born. Bible says, or let me go from verse 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When the mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being just a man unwilling to pull the shame. Now if you remember, if you read in Luke, you will see when Mary is about to get pregnant, the, Holy, the angel said to, to her, the, the Spirit of God will come upon you and you will conceive. And remember in the beginning, the first, chapter, the first thing speaks about the beginning. In fact, if you read in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 9, speaking of Noah, when there was almost like a new creation happening again, you will see the same very word that God spoke to Adam. God spoke to them again to Noah to multiply. Do you know about that? Let's read so that you don't think I'm telling stories. <laughs> All right. Bible says in Genesis chapter 9, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. It was like a process of a new beginning. Now, Matthew is almost saying there is a new chapter. There is something new that God is doing. Now, if you read in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, what do we see? We see the water. And we see the Spirit hovering upon the water. So, there is something unique that you see about the, the work of the Spirit of God. In other words, life began with the Holy Spirit. The entire life of Jesus was birthed 
through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. So if we have to know this Jesus, we're going to have to receive the Holy Spirit. We're going to need a revelation from the Holy Spirit because the genesis, the beginning of the life of Christ, the only explanation of the birth of Christ was the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, let's see in verse in Matthew chapter 1 from verse 23 Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call him Emmanuel which means God with us This is a prophecy that was given Isaiah in Isaiah 7. Isaiah prophesied already about the birth of Jesus. So you can see that from the birth of Christ, everything was revealed by the Father. Everything was revealed through the work of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean? You see, it's one thing to sit here for us to start reading the Bible like we have in the newspaper. Like we, read, like we do read the magazine. But if we want to tap into a place where we will truly manifest the life of Jesus, the same very life, the same very spirit that caused this virgin to be able to conceive, have to take, have to take hold of our hearts. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. You will see that the Israelites, when, as they were coming out from Egypt, going to the promised land, the Bible says there was a cloud of fire, or the cloud of glory during the day, and a pillar of fire at night. And that, that is a picture of the Holy Spirit. How did the church start? How did the whole witnessing of the gospel start? Jesus said, you shall receive the Spirit, the Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witness. So Jesus, as a witness of the Father on earth, his life started with the work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we also see that Matthew is emphasizing about him being Emmanuel, he emphasized about the presence of God. And you'll see that Matthew finishes his gospel saying, Jesus said, I will be with you until the end of time. One of the themes that, we, that Matthew was trying to reveal to the Jewish people that God, actually, this God that you've read in the Torah this God that you've read, this testimony that you've read that the water departed, this God that you heard that brought the manna. Now this same very God is living inside a body and he has come to save you. So Jesus as he was, he was the heaven on earth. But the problem is this, they struggle to see and to receive from him as the Messiah. Because of the expectation. And the misinterpretation of prophecy. In other words, can, can you stand? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate it this way. Anderi um, um, come as well. And uh, Wilbert come. Great. In other words, you can sit in your room and God says to you, Michelle, for example, right? Sorry, Michelle. And God says to you, Michelle, in two weeks' time, you are going to meet three people. They might have the same height. It's probably going to be two ladies and a guy. You're going to meet three people. Now, these are the things that, that they will do. 
They might speak about this. They might speak about this. They might speak about this. And then, they will be amazing. They will bring you gifts. They will change your life. They will affect your life. Your life will look better. So now, she, she, she receives this picture, but she doesn't necessarily know what will be their names. How would they look like? You know, you know, what culture would they come from? What would be the package like? But she has an idea of what they will do. But not the full picture. But now here's the challenge. If Michelle sits and expects the three people to come in her way, of, in her way, not in the way of the one who spoke, guess what? They will pitch up in front of her and she will pass by. Even though she... <laughs> she will pass by. She will pass by. I tell you, it, that is the challenge that we face as Christians. The reason why we struggle is not because we did not receive promises. The problem isn't the promises. In fact, if you have to write down every prophecy that was given to you, you might have maybe thousands of them. That's my nephew crying. Don't worry. I'm very, I'm very chill with that. That's my sister she came to visit. My young sister. My baby sister. Ah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my heart is so soft when I hear my nephews cry. I'm like, oh, uncle. Not my ankle. You can sit. Thanks. So, here's the reality. The Israelites were facing a thing. They had the promises in front of them. In fact, Jesus even multiplied the bread. In fact, Jesus walked on the water. They could have connected as well to some point. They say this. In the beginning, the Bible says that the Spirit was hovering upon the water. Now, this man was walking upon the water. In other words, Jesus was the embodiment of the same very spirit that was hovering upon the water. It was him. Moses cried out to God for the manna to fall, but he didn't have to. The Bible says he gave thanks to God and the bread multiplied. When they were running out of cash, you know what he did? Because he's the word that created everything, he could go even and command the fish to release money. And yet, they struggled to receive him. Because they couldn't unpack. Here's the thing. Sure, what can I use? Kathleen, can you close your Bible? Like, yeah. I need someone that has got a either. You just give me your bag. Sometimes God gives you a gift. He comes. Oh, I have a gift for you. And he says, I love you and I care about you. Here's the gift. You know what, you know what we do? Sometimes, even though you have received the gift, if you do not open the package, you are not going to enjoy the gift. But here's the thing. Jesus was Jesus was actually the, the embodiment of the restoration of Israel. He was the Messiah. But they were, they were unable to unpack the package because of the expectation. What are the things that God is saying to you but that you are struggling to tap into because of your struggle to unpack the package of that which God has sent to you. You know, when you see blessing, if you're very limited, you can just define him based on what he does and where he comes from. But when God looks at him, God sees a generation. When God was looking at Abraham, when he said, your seed, not the seeds, he was actually speaking about Christ. The seed that God was speaking to Abraham about, through which the nations will be blessed, it was actually Christ. Because the Bible says all the things in the Old Testament were the shadow of the things to come. 
but the fulfillment of all things is in Christ Jesus. So that was the challenge. But these are the lessons we can learn as we navigate through the Gospel of Matthew. Now, another thing that I would like to mention is um, you'll see in chapter 2 there is a visit of these three wise men. Of these wise men. Some people say there were three because of the three gifts they wrote. But they were also not Jews, people. They were not also Jewish. And it speaks again. They came with gifts. In fact, there are prophecies that mentioned about people from different lands coming to bring gifts to the Messiah. Again, you'll see that the entire life of Jesus, it was scripted. It was the word of God. Listen, you are not a surprise. You were not born by accident. You were not born because your parents just wanted to have pleasure. God allowed you to come on this planet earth because there are things he has said. And those things needed to take shape. That is what things that Nyasha can do. I cannot. We are a body. So when you're looking at yourself, you have to look at yourself as a fulfillment of a prophecy. Of the mind of God. One of the translations of that scripture that says that the sons and daughters shall prophesy. I've heard a, a, a teacher, he said that one of the meanings is that they shall repeat the visions that they receive from God. They shall, they shall repeat the word of God. Um, prophecy is almost like a repetition of that which God is saying. So what I'm saying is, our lives are almost like a repetition of that which God has said. Therefore, every minute, every single day is part of the plan. What is your responsibility is to ask God, Father, help me. Help me to choose your way. I believe this is the one thing that God really loved about David. David kept on asking God this thing. He said, God, show me your way. Teach me your precept. Teach me your word. Teach me your statutes. Teach me all of these things. And the Bible says in Hebrews that God is sustains all things through the word of his power. So if you want to be from a, in a, functioning in the realm where you know that God is holding everything together, be in his word. The sign that we are people of God, the sign of our loyalty to God, is our commitment to his word. When it, this is just something in the bracket. Whenever you notice that you do not have any interest, any interest any longer of reading the word, you need to know you're in a dangerous place. You need to come back to God so quickly because you are, dan you, you are actually running on a very dangerous place. When the devil came in the Garden of Eden, he came to challenge the words of God. One of the signs that you are about to fall in sin is the lack of desire to read the Bible. Because the Bible, it is. It is the only document that God took with passion and desire. In you, with your natural eyes, you can struggle to see Him. But He has written this letter to you. He wrote this letter to you as a sign of His commitment to you. As a son of his commitment to his people. So even if you can't see him with, his, with your natural eyes. When you read his word. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. You can actually be able to know him. I remember two, three months ago. I felt in my heart the Lord wanted me to read the gospel of, the gospel of John. As I was reading about Jesus. And I felt at, some, at, at one time. I felt in my room as if there was a huge fan blowing on me. There was such a presence of the Lord as I was reading the word. Because the word launches us into an encounter with him. They testify of him. If the word testifies of Christ, how can we be in a position where we do not have any interest for the word? In fact, for everything we do in our life, we have to have a word from it. I was teaching the Nations Band on Saturday that when you lead worship, every time you lead worship, even if it's on a, with your friends, 
you need a word for it. You need a word. One day there was an evangelist. He, was, um, he went to a crusade and he, he said to a lady, he had a word of knowledge that the lady had cancer. He said, lady, God is revealing to me that you have cancer. She denied. She said, no, I don't have. He said to the lady, if you don't want to acknowledge that God is saying me, what, what I am saying is the truth, I'm going to quit ministry because God is saying to me that you have cancer. And she said, no, I can't say it because I, in my church I was told if I have cancer, I can't say I have cancer. I have to say I'm healed in Jesus' name. The preacher was mad. He said, it doesn't work like that. You need to have a word corresponding to the challenge you face. You don't just, just say for the sake of saying and you're denying your reality. No. Yes, you're facing cancer. You can acknowledge that. But what is God saying about the cancer? There might be a scripture that God wants you to tap into. And it is by obedience. You see, God is relational. So I am wanting to challenge you in terms of the way you read your Bible because there is so much in the Gospel of Matthew. Another thing that you, you notice in chapter 2, before we pray, I, I can't really go as far as I wanted. Um, um, let me. And the um, Bible says, one of the things that you'll see in verse... Um, Verse 2, oh, um, it says, saying that, Where is who has been born the king of Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And uh, the king was troubled. You will see it almost like Matthew is comparing Jesus to this king that was oppressing people. Herod was a very was a terrible king. I mean, he was killing people. Crazy. But, Jesus, but Matthew is presenting this king who is not coming with an army. Who is not coming... Jesus didn't come with an army already. He didn't come with any, anything to, to threaten in the natural, this king. But when he came, he came as a baby. Which is a challenge. Why did he choose to come as a baby? He came to rescue the people. How can a baby... Commanded on me. But I believe the metaphor that the Father used in terms of the birth of Christ communicates something about how the kingdom functions. In the kingdom, we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. It's not about how much strength you have. You, you will notice um, in... In, uh, from verse 13, you will notice the Bible says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in the dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until they tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child. You will notice as you go down, Jesus is most of the time mentioned in these chapters as the child, the child, the child, the child, the child, the child. But what made this child so special that the king would be concerned? The choice of God over that child. You see, if God would open your eyes to see what it means to be called by him, you will no longer be afraid. You will no longer be afraid. The reason why we fear sometimes is because sometimes we, we don't have a picture a real picture of the one who has called us. The Bible says those that he called, he justified them. Not only justified them, he glorified them. God cannot call you and leave you in the air. No. That's, the na- that's not the nature of God. The choice of God. And the Bible says when you come into the kingdom, you better come as a child. You better come as a child. Because a child, when you have a child, the child, when, especially when the baby, it doesn't, the baby cannot tell you, well, 
My nephew's confirming. His name is Jade. So, the child, when he doesn't, well, if you want to go to town, the baby will go. Because that's where you're going. If you're going to go to Paris, he'll go to Paris, and the child will find himself in Paris. But now imagine, because God loves us, how much more it is such a blessing to be like a child when we come into his kingdom. The problem is, we come into the kingdom. I come into the kingdom as a Congolese. I tell Jesus, you know, primarily, I'm from Congo. And me as a Congolese, this is my standard. So tell me about how you're going to bless me. Tell me about my legacy, my prosperity. But that conversation about who I am as a Congolese, we're not going to have it. Now, I end up becoming a cultural Christian. That is why we found in the church the same struggles that are in the world. Because when we come into the kingdom, we come as adults. We come as kings. It doesn't work like that. Jesus said, if you want to come into the kingdom, you've got to carry your cross. You have to die. The old man must die. So that there will be a new life. That is what the suffering servant Jesus, when he wanted to restore the Israelite, he had to die. And to birth something new. And all of us, what Jesus did is, he took all of us and he died with us. So his death became ours. So when you gave your heart to Jesus, the resurrection of Christ became your resurrection. So we inherited. We are co-heir with Christ. But what is the form that he chose? He died first. What have you given up for the kingdom? What are you ready to give up for the kingdom? It is so good to sit. It's who you are. It's who you are. I am loved by you. Great. Great. It's so good to sing that. But does our life communicate to heaven that we are truly loved by him? And we are aware of that. And the, fin- the, the final thing that I'm going to finish off is when Jesus is got baptized, the Bible says there was this voice that says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I so love this. Because if you read in, in Isaiah, there was this prayer that Isaiah, in Isaiah 64 that says, Would you raise the heaven so that you may come? That moment of Jesus getting baptized was the fulfillment of the cry out. In fact, in chapter 63, he's asking about how the Spirit of God walked with the Israelites, but they couldn't get it. And then in 64, let me just read it. I think this is cool. And then we'll pray now. Yes, let me maybe read um, from verse chapter 63, from verse 10. It says, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned to be the enemy and himself fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who puts in the midst of them his Holy Spirit, who caused his glorious arm to go at the right end of Moses? Now, in, the, in, in chapter, chapter 64 from verse, from verse 1, it says, All oh, that you would rain the heavens and come down to the mountain might, that the mountain might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles 
brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil. What did he see when Jesus was baptized? The Bible says, the Holy Spirit came like a dove. It came like a dove. It came like a dove. Very interesting. And now, remember where was Jesus baptized? In the Jordan River. When Joshua is taking the people into the promised land, where did he cross with the priest? Jordan. What is Matthew trying to say? This is a new exodus, but with the one who's greater than Moses, greater than Joshua. But now you, you have a new leader. You have a new Moses, Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he's not going to fail like Moses. He's not going to fail even like Joshua. But he's ushering you primarily. Because even though the Israelites were in their land, in, they still lived. As if they were in exile. They still were still in sin. In fact, even the priests that were serving, some of them were not even Levites. But what he was saying, Jesus wanted to restore first primarily into the presence of God. You will see when, when the priest puts their feet into the Jordan, the Bible said the Jordan opened, and that was the way they passed through. But when Jesus did put his feet, what happened is the heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit came like a dove. What was, the, what was his assignment? To bring them into the presence of God. What is Matthew starting with Jesus as Emmanuel? And he's ending off by saying, I am with you till the end of time. And all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. Therefore, go out to all the nations and make disciples. What is the beauty of our journey with the Lord? Is that God is with us. I want to encourage you. You might find yourself, wow, how can I get this? That is why we have Bible school. That is why we have Bible school. We have, we have a lot of Christians who are not passionate about the Word of God. So please, if you know that you cannot, Bible school is actually free. We made it free. And it only costs 150 for the manual for the young working. And for the student, you only pay 50 rand for your manual. There's a discount for students. So I really want to encourage you to please, we will only have eight weeks for the next semester. So which means eight sessions for the entire semester. You can say to God, God, I'm willing to spend three hours per week or two hours and a half per week where I'm going to learn about your word. And the reason why I want to learn these things is not just to fill up my head, but I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. There are things in ministry that I learned when I sat in Bible school. As someone is sharing, the Lord downloads something in my spirit. I want to encourage you. Please, if you can. Please, if you can. Please, See me after the service. I'm going to oversee the, the Bible school. So I'm the principal of the Bible school. So if, <laughs> if you make noise in the class, you bring the parents the next day. <laughs> or you're fired for at least two services. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. So now, I really want to encourage you to please take this thing seriously. You may ask yourself, Matthew, how, how did you get to know all of these things? My friend, I heard so, from so many people. I sat under a lot of teachings. You know what I used to do when I was in high school? Every time there was a conference, I went to watch and listen. Every time I heard there was a conference, I would go. I didn't even know what I was doing. Now when I'm thinking, oh my word, I, looked, I, I would walk even long distance just because I wanted to hear the word. And I'm still, the more you read the word, the more hungry you become and the more passionate your, your prayer changes, your, your way, the way you do life changes, the way you do ministry changes, the way you do anything changes. Can we please stand? Do you know this Jesus? Do you know this King? As he perhaps said things that came, but you've just passed by. I would love us to, to pray that prayer in Isaiah 64 that says, all that you would raise the heavens and come down, that the mountains might, might quake at your presence.
The heaven is already open. But all we need is to have our eyes open on this heaven that has, or has been already been opened. And that will change our perspective. Christ said, I do what I see my Father doing. And I would love us to, to really be honest with God. Even if it means for you to make a commitment that God from today I will take seriously your word. I'm going to commit myself to read your word because I've realized I've been neglecting you. I love my YouTube. I love my Facebook. I love my Twitter. But I'm not necessarily sure if I have the same passion for your word. Would you restore my heart to that place where my heart will burn when I would spend a day without reading your word? Would you open my heart and invite me into a space where I can go and find that word, that scripture that you want me to be aware of? Let us close our eyes and, and stretch our hands to the Father as receiving a gift. Oh, we receive. Oh, we receive. Oh, we receive your word. Oh.